Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit LifeChurchStPeters.com. Okay, Pastor Tom. Good morning. How is everybody? Excellent. I have loved this morning. Um, if you are a guest here, my name is Tom Kyle, my beautiful wife who sings and dances and probably juggles things as well, whistles, whistle while she works and whatever. I'm really excited about the talent show, Randy. I can't wait to see what you're going to bring. I'm pumped. It's funny, nobody asked me what I was going to bring. I, I don't understand what that could possibly mean. But we have the privilege of serving this church, and we thank you. This morning, I want to continue on a theme that I've been uh, walking through over the last few weeks. is life, some of the life church values, what we value as a family here. And again, this morning, I want to talk about family. We value family. And uh, if you were here last week, uh, I trust and hope that you were. Last week, we had Dan and Fiona Reynolds, who are in our sister church up in Chicago in the northwest suburbs in St. Charles, Illinois. And I had the uh, pleasure of uh, watching and listening. It was amazing. Talked about David and the isolation and limitation. And it, it was just, it was a fantastic message. And Daniel will be back again before the end of this year. But I trust you had a great time in experiencing him. But last week, we were not here, my wife and I, simply because we were celebrating our family. We have a couple of pictures. We were in, oh, yeah, that's it, yeah. That's some of the crew. Uh, our eldest daughter, she's 37 years old. She is in the center with her head up and, you know, green dress in the middle. So we were experiencing family in Riviera Maya. She got married. She's 37 years old, first time ever married. And our son, our other son, uh, daughter-in-law-to-be, the groom, I should probably mention him. And then <laughs> our youngest daughter, Jody, and I'm kind of lurking in the back. But we were away last week. Might have one or two more. Probably we should feature Randy. Yeah, look at that. Oh, isn't she amazing? Yeah. yeah. It's our daughter and Matthew, our new son-in-law. And the cake did not fall. So this morning, and it has nothing to do with that necessarily, but I want to talk about the importance of family, the importance that God puts on family. And in a, in a very real way, just kind of uh, tagging along with what Rick talked about, it's friends in the foxhole. In family, you are in the foxhole together. And it should be that as family... All the fire goes outside of the foxhole instead of the bullets flying in the foxhole. So I want to talk a little bit about your personal family, but I also want to talk about church family together. Because I, what I have found after 42 years of being married is it's God places a value, a unique value on relationships, on family relationships. And he also places a value on church family relationships. And I've, um, I've said it for many years, and I believe it more and more every day. The family is under assault right. in our culture uniquely. Whether it's the uh, kind of lingering effects of COVID and isolation and um, just 
people being on their own. It's not the way God intended it. It's never been the way God intended it. And marriage and family has been under assault. And I have found so many times, so many different friends of ours through uh, this COVID, just separating families, divisions, and all the political junk that's been going on in our country and this country specifically. The goal, I believe, by the enemy is to isolate and to separate and cause division. Jesus loves family. I find it amazing that Father in Heaven actually put Jesus in a specific family with a mom and a dad and brothers and sisters. He could have easily just had him be, just come from the outside somewhere. Who is this guy? I don't know. He's some amazing prophet. Everyone would have listened to him. But for the first 30 years of Jesus' life, Father in Heaven wanted to put him in a family with relationships and working out sibling rivalries and listening to dad when you probably think there's a better way. And dad, not with Jesus, but Jesus seeing how his siblings react to what mom wants them to do, whether it's to clean the room or do this or that or help uh, cleaning up after, din after dinner. Just family dynamics can bring out some of the most challenging issues and areas of my life that I was oblivious of. I've said it many times. I was a really great human being before I got married. I, didn't, I wasn't selfish. I wasn't arrogant. I wasn't independent. And then I got married. And all of these things began coming out of me. I'm like, where were they? I was wonderful before I got married. But Jesus, heaven instituted family to show me what I'm really like. When I'm bumping into people on a regular basis, their stuff encountering my stuff. Jesus has a unique value and appreciation for family. The Trinity in heaven is a beautiful family itself. I'm not sure. I think it was Charles Spurgeon called the Trinity in heaven, the sweet society. We're all love, all deferring. No, Jesus saying it's all about the Father. The Father saying it's all about Jesus. Both of them saying, Holy Spirit, it's your turn. Go. No competition, no ugliness, no rivalry, no hurt feelings. Well, when is it going to be my turn again? No, it's us together, heaven coming to earth. And Jesus in his prayer said, I pray that we have heaven, heaven come on earth. And we have the same value system as heaven does. In Psalm 68, verse 6, the Bible says this, God sets the lonely in families. Heaven doesn't want anyone lonely. We heard about it this morning, that Jesus knows your name, whether it's Patsy or Kyle. He knows you and he sees you. And he doesn't want anyone on this earth walking alone. They want, Father in the heaven, they want you and I to feel real love from human beings, connection, relationship, interactions. The devil's idea of a great time is to isolate us. That was part of Dan's message last week, was isolation. But God's design for everyone is family in some form or fashion. Being in a foxhole with people who know you, know all about you, and love you in spite of it. In Genesis 2, 15 and 18, the Bible says this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it 
and take care of it. And the Lord God, in verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It's not good. It's not kingdom. It's not heaven's design that we live in isolation and separation. It's to be together. And God gave Adam a helper. And that's so often what relationships and family is. It should be helping me understand who I really am and helping other people become who they can be and all that they can be by the design of heaven. 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to refer back to the book of Corinthians several times this morning. I hope it's okay if we look into the Bible a little bit. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 and 27. Paul is writing to this amazing, huge church in Corinth. Massive, thousands upon thousands upon thousands. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. It says this. And Paul is using the body as a description of family. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. And so it is with Christ. Verse 27, same chapter. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. It's not that the head is everything. Uh, How weird would that, well... How weird would it be if a head walked in, well, rolled in here this morning, or an eyeball rolled in. What are you doing isolated? That's not right. It's weird. It's scary. Freak show. But so often in our American culture, and this is my opinion, the pastor is the star. The the amazing worship leader, he's the superstar. But I don't believe that's heaven's design. It's the lady who gave the two mites. She's given more than all the rich dudes. And Jesus' eye was always drawn to the detail, the the people that just walked on by, whether it's Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Who were they? They're nobodies. They didn't graduate from Jerusalem, you. They didn't go to the Bible school. They're just three people that he loved. Nobodies to anybody else, but there's somebody to him. And that's you. That's us. And our family value here at Life Church. It's to remember there's only one superstar in the room and it's Jesus. After that, we're we're just, we're we're part of the orchestra, all of us. We all play a part and a significant part. Family sticks together. Family pursues each other. Family doesn't quit on family. Family doesn't leave family. And I'm not talking about toxic people. Has anybody ever, and it's not you, has anybody ever met someone who's just toxic? And you had to put some healthy boundaries around toxic people? There's always exceptions to the rule. I before E, except after C. There's always exceptions. But that's the exception, is toxic people. And those people, if we're wise, if you had a a horrible person living in your neighborhood and you've got three little kids running around, what kind of parent would you be to allow those three kids to run over and play with the weirdo down the street? You'd set up healthy boundaries around them because you're loving, you have wisdom, and you're a parent. There are those exceptions to the rule, but we're not talking about those people this morning. 
We're just talking about people that might irritate us. Anybody ever have a sister? <laughs> three, three of them. He still, he lost one finger. Rick's trying to get that third one up. She cut it off, didn't she? Anybody have an annoying little brother? Always got in your stuff? I didn't have one. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Family loves each other. Family learns how to work it out. Family celebrates each other. They celebrate the differences, the nuances, the uniqueness, the quirky. Anybody here quirky? Hey, man, God bless me and you. (laughs) The first time somebody called me quirky, I was like, I do not think that means what you think that means. (laughs) And he smiled and said, oh, it means that. Everybody in their family has an Uncle Eddie. Anybody see the movie Vacation? Everybody's got an Uncle Eddie. And if you don't know who it is, <laughs> move it on. But when we talk about family, it's kind of like Father's Day and Mother's Day. Talking about family, for many people, can bring up some pain in the heart because of dysfunction and tragedy and difficulty and working things out that shouldn't be. And so many people struggle when it comes to the concepts of family and not thinking rainbows and and butterflies because of the pain they went through. Many of us in the church came from brokenness and broken relationships and ugliness and toxicity in our own natural family. It produces broken people, abandoned people, hurt people. But family is the Lord's design. And it's the blueprint for humanity, not just Western culture. It's the family. It's it's the framework. It's the undergirding. It's the pillar of any society. And I have found, we have found that family is very much like tending a garden, having a garden. You can have a garden and just throw, throw some seeds out there. I'm a gardener. Just throw whatever those things are out there and just let it go. But that's not how gardens grow. Gardens need nurturing, they need tending, just like relationships. It needs cultivating, it needs weeding and watering. Families, like gardens, require a lot of time and attention. And I just want to say in every garden, every garden, every relationship, weeds are going to happen. They will happen. It's a simple fact. Weeds in relationships... Hurts, attitudes, conflict, confrontation. Gardens like relationships necessitates, by the very design and nature, forgiveness, patience, intimacy, vulnerability, accountability, healthy communication, kindness, and bucket loads of love if you want to have healthy family, healthy relationships. And just through observation, I'll say this, and certainly it's not me or you, it's those other people. Some people are better at healthy relationships than others. It seems to come more easily for some people, the ability to have healthy relationships. But what flies in the face of healthy relationships is our personalities can get in the way. Our history 
can get in the way of healthy relationships and healthy family. Our lack of self-awareness can get in the way of healthy relationships and healthy families. Randy and I, we did a a marriage day in uh, the Bath Church in England back in April. And the session that I took, one of the sessions that I took, I, I entitled, What If It's Me? And I talked about in the session that I was taking, we, we had some challenges our first two, 22, 42, no, our first six or seven years. We had never been married before. I was a very mature 21. She was barely 19. And I, as a rule, I blamed my wife for our challenges because, I mean, if you know her, it's not her. But for years, I blamed Randy for some of the challenges in our relationship. And then that wonderful wake-up day where the Lord says, no, it's you, me. And a lack of awareness, a lack of self-awareness. We can blame everybody around me, but the same person I keep looking in the mirror might just be me. What if it's me that's getting in the way of healthy relationships and healthy family? Our insecurities and our fears can get in the way of healthy family. Unforgiveness gets in the way of healthy family. But as we heard this morning, love always wins. Always wins. Always wins. If there's challenge in family, whether it's a personal family or a church family, the antidote starts and finishes with love. Jesus kind of love, not manipulative love. Not pouty love, but the love that Jesus expressed in his life here on earth. Church family can be also so challenging. Anybody ever found any challenges in church family? You guys are all new here, huh? Why? Because people are involved. Messy people, people with problems, people like me. People like me. And yet, the Lord deems relationships necessary, vital, muy importante. I was just... Relationships, healthy relationships are normal. Church family... It's healthy to have relationships. He uses family to grow me, to grow you. He uses family to shape me. He uses family to change me, to expose me, so that I am now have the possibility of walking in reality. Isolation is the devil's idea for people. It separates people. He loves isolation. He's always loved isolation. Satan hates unity. He hates family. He hates togetherness. He hates human beings. Why? Because you and I are made in the image and likeness of God himself. He hates us. And anything he can do, whether it's hurt, offense, nobody sees me, nobody likes me, nobody talks to me, he wants to isolate us. And he'll use any and every tool to get us to isolate ourselves every time. 
Isolation may seem easier, may feel safer, but the opposite is true. It'd be so easy for many of us to use the isolation card. Some people might say, well, actually, I'm an introvert, and all y'all make me uncomfortable. <laughs> it's not true. Relationship, healthy family, has nothing to do whether you're an ex extrovert or an introvert. It has nothing to do with that. But sometimes we can believe a lie and think, well, I don't need it like she needs it. I'm actually happy by myself. Yeah, you're also vulnerable by yourself. Exceedingly vulnerable. Open for deception. The devil loves to lie. Or your out card could be this. I, I, I get hurt by people. I have been hurt by people. So I'm just not going to do that anymore. I don't feel safe. And I... Believe me, I understand that. I've been in church for the last 45 years, and I have been hurt by church folk. Stabbed in the back, talked about, kicked. Only some of it was my fault. Guess what? If you're around people, you're going to get hurt. It's going to happen, whether it's church, whether it's work, whether it's a YMCA, whether it's Boeing, whether it's McDonald's. Don't go to McDonald's. I care for you. Yeah, you're going to get hurt around people. And it's God's design that I grow through my pain and my hurt rather than isolate. You'll hear other people say, well, I'm not going to go to church anymore. I, I just can't stand to see all the hypocrisy of all those people. Just that statement, it's so judgy. It's almost like, well, they all are hypocrites. But I, my assessment of myself, I'm right on. And I don't want to be diseased by all those people. My behavior lines up perfectly with my intentions and my projections. Lie! Marriage, which is, again, so much under attack in Western culture, and I believe all across the world, obviously. But marriage, it's so beautiful. It's so gorgeous. It's so heaven-designed by God himself. People finding each other. Total opposites, hopefully. <laughs> Just so that you can find out, so I can come into reality of what I'm really like. But we, we, as people, are designed by heaven for relationships, for friendships, for closeness, for unity. We're designed by God because that's the way they are, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But when two people get involved with each other, when people get involved with each other in church, in our personal lives or in church family, life can get messy. Has anybody ever found family and people messy? Maybe you were just born last week. People bumping into people. The very first family, Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel, there was a murder in the first family. <laughs> Jealousy, strife, anger. The first children on the face of the earth, one murdered the other. What a beautiful family. <laughs> Dan talked about it last week, David with his brothers, all the strife. Little brother, obnoxious, bad intentions, wrong motivations, or so the brothers 
push David around emotionally in a family. Joseph and his brothers, abandoned, left for dead, sold into slavery. The Bible is filled with relational challenges. It's reality. As we find each other and then we're like, oh, it's like putting the magnets the right way and then turning around and we're repelled once we see what family is really like, what people are really like. I'd like us just to turn super quick to the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to read into it just a little bit. The first passage, I got three or four. First Corinthians, this is a huge church, thousands and thousands and thousands of people in this church spread across a city called Corinth. And Paul founded this church. And he was a father to the church. And he wrote four letters in total. We only have two, which we call First and Second Corinthians. But there was four total letters back and forth between Paul and Corinth. And this father to the church is trying to bring peace and life to people who are bouncing in and off of one another, all the difficulties. And this is a father, older man, writing to these people in this massive church. 1 Corinthians 1, 10 to 17. Listen to the words. This is not a letter of pat on the back. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Duck, here it comes. That all of you agree with one another and what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, and that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. And still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? And this is, I love this little personal note. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Oops, yeah. Also, I baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized. Someone's like, that's not the point. If I baptize you, God bless you. But he gets back on point. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. A couple of chapters later, 1 Corinthians 3, picking up in verse 1. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, listen to the tenor of it again. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. Thanks, Dad. You are still worldly. This is church. It's a massive church. Are you not acting like mere humans? For one says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came, you came to believe as the Lord has asked to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, and God has made it grow, been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-laborers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. 
And that's us here at Life Church. There's not one more important person than the other. I don't care if you're the cool bass player or the lady serving in the nursery or the guy helping on the sound. We're all together. And God looks at us and says, I want you to find each other. Nobody in isolation. 1 Corinthians 4, 18. 1 Corinthians 4, 18. Same church, same dad, Paul, speaking to them. Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a, is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come in love and with a gentle spirit? I'll take love, gentle spirit. <laughs> One last on this, this point, 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. And the following directives, I have no praise for you. He is so negative. And the following directives, I have no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. Ow. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. I just want to say this. Jesus is not worried about messy. This is a messy, messy church. Jesus isn't bothered by messy. It's what do we do with our mess? He doesn't freak out with mess. Jesus loves me. He loves you exactly as you are right now and where we are right now. But he also loves us enough. He says, I want you to change. I want you to be aware. Maybe the problem isn't them. Maybe there's something in here. Ownership, honesty. Maybe there's something here that needs to change. Rather than, as he talks about in Galatians, the pointing of finger and accusation. Lord, help me to be a salve to people around me. He loves me enough to want, wants me to change. And he also, he sent Holy Spirit, as we heard also this morning, the comforter, may have been in the prayer meeting. Holy Spirit, he sent to come alongside us, to help me, to help you, to grow up and be the powerful person that God has designed me and you to be. But not just the Holy Spirit, he's given us the word of God, the scripture, so that we can understand what actually, how that works. Daniel last week said it's God's voice in print. God's voice in print. We don't despise the Bible. When the Bible and my opinion are in conflict, who do you think might be right? I believe with all of my heart in the book of Corinthians that Paul loved messy church. He loved this church. He loved it. But as a dad, he said, it's got to change. You've got to change. I love this. Listen to Paul's writing about this. And this is, this is really key that we catch this point. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 1. Am I not free? 
Am I not an apostle? People were questioning his authority. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you. Here's the salient point I want to make. For you, this messy church, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is what he's saying. If anybody wants to know if I'm a real apostle, come look at Corinth. If that the most messy church written in the Bible, and Paul says, here's the proof that I am what I am. I'm an apostle because of what's happening amongst you. Not just mess, power, miracles, supernatural happening. If I was, was going to write one, I'd say, well, I'll pick maybe the churches in Galatia or Ephesus or something. Much tighter, much neat, neater church. But Paul says, I love you. And if anybody wants to question if I'm an apostle or not, I'll send them to Corinth. That's the proof I'm an apostle. He wasn't afraid of their mess. Right. It's okay where it is, but we're going to change. We're going to get rid of mess. We're going to work it out. We're going to confront our issues, own our issues, and not just blame. The Bible helps us so much with this. Matthew 18. With messy church, what do we do with messy church? The Bible has something to say about messy church. Matthew 18. This is what the Word of God says. Messy church, here is 101. Matthew 18, verse 15. I'll be closing in just a minute. If your brother... How do you clean up messy church right here? If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. What if he actually meant that? I mean, it's Jesus. What if he actually meant it? Wouldn't that be weird? <laughs> Crazy talk. You got a problem? Don't tell Ed. Sorry, Ed. Don't tell Cletus, Carl, Lucky, Billy Bob. They don't need to be involved in messy problem. Go to the person you have a problem with. What in the world would happen to church if we stopped talking about other people behind their backs? And actually went one-on-one. -on -one. Can I have coffee? Can I come to your house? I'm going to show you. Well, let's read on. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Here's the goal, that you win people. If I go to hammer people and show them how stupid they are, what's the likelihood of success? Zip. Nada. My goal in going to someone is to win them. Not to prove they're wrong. And I'm so brainy. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Ow! Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, Truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. If we just dealt with our issues with people rightly and go to the person I'm offended with, how many times 
do we find one of our children talking to another one of our children about you or me or mom or dad? They never come to mom and dad, but all, this, all the kids are talking amongst themselves. What would happen if kids went to their parents, didn't talk to anybody else, and just said, mom, dad, I got a problem. I see some inconsistency and I'm hurt. Rather than telling everybody about it. What would happen to church family if we loved each other enough to tell someone what I believe to be the truth and nobody else knew about it? What kind of church would we have? Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourself with it. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. After, I'm sorry, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. The challenge I found, and I work, I work with, uh, Randy and I work with leaders, different countries, many different churches. What I found is leaders many times are the worst at actually following Matthew 18. They don't want to lose church people. They don't want to confront church people. And so they talk about to other members of their church about problems going on in their church. What if every one of us took ownership? So let me look in the mirror first. And if I don't, if I really come to the conclusion, someone has hurt me and I need to get this right, I go to them. Just between the two of us. What kind of church family, what kind of families would we have? Family is so important. Holy Spirit is here to help. The Bible is here with the antidote from heaven for healthy family, healthy relationships. GBH, what do I do with this? There's many people in the church here. You've been here for a while and you don't know anybody. You just don't know many people. And it's kind of frustrating, but maybe you really like the worship or you like George and you, you keep coming. But it just doesn't seem like family yet. GBH, great, but how? What do I do? I want to ask you to be really brave. To step out of your comfort zone and go talk to somebody. Yeah. Hang around after church. Because it's all about relationships. I can't be everyone's friend in here. Randy can't be everyone's friend in here. Katie Hooker, maybe. <laughs> She's the I before you have to see. She's the exception. But if you want to have relationships, step out, be brave, and go talk to somebody. Yeah. Introduce yourself. Maybe your first step is just starting to come to this church or a church every Sunday. I'm just going to make a, a commitment. I'm just going to come to church every Sunday. Whether it's Grace, whether it's United Methodist, whether it's this church, I'm just going to make a commitment. I'm going to be there every Sunday, not in and out, up and down. I'm going to hang around for a few minutes afterwards. I'm going to walk over and talk to somebody. Come to the fourth family Friday fun night thing. You don't know anybody. Go sit down at a table with somebody. Be super brave. Say, hi, my name's Tom. I'm going to use that name. Hi, my name's Tom. Can I sit at your table? Chances are they're going to say, nope. 
A lot of people, but not you. <laughs> Never happen. But you simply sit down with somebody, introduce yourself, and be brave. Hi, my name's Tom. What's yours? And then begin asking questions about them and find out information about people. Father, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for your intention of having heaven on earth, the peace, the unity, the sweetness of heaven. Father, may it invade this church in wholeness, in reality. Help us, Holy Spirit, to love one another. Lord, as we bump into each other, we're going to have problems. We're going to have irritations. There's going to be some I naturally get along with. There's going to be others I don't. It's okay. It's called reality. But, Father, I want, I want a healthy relationship. I want, I want connection. I want somebody to know me. I want to know somebody else. Help me, Father, to learn how to be a friend. Learn how to be vulnerable. To be able to see the needles on my cacti. And if I need help, have somebody help me take some of the needles off of my personal cactus. Pull some of them out myself. But maybe I'm going to be brave enough to have some people help me. Lord, that this church would smell like heaven. It would smell like family. Warts, pimples, and all. But Father, we, we want heaven on earth. We want friends. We want family. We want health. We want wholeness. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us in Jesus' mighty name. Yeah. Amen. Can I have the prayer team come up? Yeah. If you're struggling in your heart, you do feel limited. You do feel isolated. You do feel kind of rejected. I think most every person, I certainly can, as I was listening to Dan's message last week, I could identify with every one of them. Every one of them, I was sitting there like, yep, yep, yep. It was so powerful. Maybe you just like somebody just to pray yeah. with you, to get some heaven salve in your heart, to get over hurt and anger and resentment and bitterness and frustration and say, I just, I just need a fresh start. Yeah. I need a fresh start in here, in here. I need a fresh start. Holy Spirit, will you help me? I recognize I'm just off kilter on the inside. I'm not right. I need some help. Will you please pray with me? If that's you, don't, don't be embarrassed. Make that first step today yeah. to recognize I, I need some help. If you don't know Jesus, as Kim said earlier, come up front. Let somebody pray for you this morning. Jesus loves you so much. And he's always the first step towards whole health and wholeness. Yeah. We're going to dismiss now. If you go out to lunch, tip ridiculously well. Ridiculous. Or go to Taco Bell, where you don't have to tip them. But let's be generous and look like heaven. Amen? Be blessed and have a great week. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.